Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and today we're talking about one of my favorite movies of all time. We're talking about 2013's Texas Chainsaw 3D. Do your thing, cuz. I'm joined by our Texas Chainsaw Massacre correspondent, Jordan Ryan. Hello. How you doing, man? I'm all right. That was a movie. Certainly a movie. We are also joined by a special guest, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre correspondent, who bitched out and decided not to do the series anymore because <laughs> he's a little bitch. Derek Kubitschek. And I'm only here because I was slandered on a previous podcast. <laughs> were you slandered? I was called out. You were called out. I, sure. I, I was I was uh, put under a microscope. <laughs> yes. Derek will never agree to do this. I want him to come back to the podcast. Well, I'm not going to make him do these things. <laughs> no, we should get Derek here for this one. We should. We really should. And then I just immediately messaged you that day and said, I'll do the podcast, you prick. <laughs> to be fair, Jordan here suggested we trick you into coming over for a different movie. And, I did I did suggest we and trick you. It's Texas Chainsaw 3DM. Like, I don't want to piss off Derek that much. I want him to come back on the podcast. <laughs> I don't want to do that to him. He doesn't want to come back and watch these movies. So in my defense, I was defending you. Oh, you were. So I guess this is more aimed at Jordan. So uh, <laughs> Hey, I know. didn't slander you. I said, let's get Derek back, and if he doesn't agree to it, let's just trick him. That's all I said. I, 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 I never questioned your integrity. I, I do believe there have been statements on the TCM podcast so saying that Derek was doing these, and he's no longer doing these because oh, he, he's some variation of a bitch. Yes. Uh, and, and, and like, I don't get me wrong. I may be a bitch, but not for this reason. If they were better movies, maybe I'd want to watch them. <laughs> uh, but Derek is back by special request. He watched Texas Chainsaw 3D with us. Which, I'm just tickled. I'm yeah. tickled he's here. And, and I am not here to be a spoil sport. Uh, as, as everyone knows, I always try to come in open-minded. Not the biggest horror fan, but hey, you know what? I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying, guys. I, I do my best. So, I'm not here just to be Mr. Grumpy. So, what did you guys think of Texas Chainsaw 3D before I sing my praises about this film? It was really inoffensively bad. Like, you, you talk about how you're the only one who likes this movie. And so, I'm expecting a just total shit show. And it was just a very inoffensive but poorly made movie horribly written um it's not great direction but the director has four directing credits this is his most notable one and of the two writers the only notable one movie between the two is jason goes to hell so a confirm not a great movie (laughs) that's right you did that one oh god (laughs) so i view this it, it seems like there was an attempt to make a really good and different texas chainsaw movie here that was just marred by incompetence it's my third favorite of the franchise, and I would watch it again, but I don't love it. So it's funny that you mentioned Jason Goes to Hell. A more appropriate title for that movie would have been Jason Went to Hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we even came up with better names on that podcast, to be honest. I, this, I think inoffensively bad is, is a really good descriptor. When I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, this is better than two-thirds of the Children of the Corn movies. It might even be better, better than all of the Children of the Corn it, movies, it, sir. It, it, it might be better than all of them. I would honestly need to go back and rewatch, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, But then again, you know, maybe it was just in good company, but it's a schlock fest. This movie doesn't take itself seriously, so it kind of falls into a leprechaun category for me, where it's just so ridiculous and over the top and so unrealistic that you can't help but chuckle. Now, I will say, an hour into the movie, we did pause... 
and literally talk about an old horror-themed Dungeons & Dragons game that uh, Ryan DM'd for uh, a group of friends in college. And, and it was a nice 10-minute breather in the middle there. And it included you and uh, fellow, uh, other How to Survive a Horror Movie correspondent, Jordan Snyder. Yes, it did. So that's the one thing is, you know, we had a pause there in the middle, but also you paused it to explain to me the horrendous timeline, which I was picking up as soon as they pulled out the iPhone. Because before that, you're like, oh, this might be in the 90s. And then you're like, oh, nope, <laughs> it is not. It is 2012. And, and uh, JR, you pointed out that there was a date on the tombstone. I yeah. would have never noticed that. So, but the iPhone, I was like, why, why, huh? You know, it was an attempt to bring the Sawyer family into the modern day. In concept, I don't hate that. No, no, no. And this movie does not execute it well. Doesn't make sense at all. All right, my turn. Texas Chainsaw 3D is my ultimate guilty pleasure film. I love this movie so much. I've never met anybody who shares even remotely close to this opinion. I fucking love this movie. And every time, like, it's I'm going to watch it again, like, I'm going to show it to someone for the first time, I get unreasonably hyped up. Like, all day long today, while I was at work, I was just like, oh, my God, I get to watch Texture Scenes of 3D tonight. I'm so excited. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be great. I fucking love this movie because the writing is so nonsensically bad that it, 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 it goes from being a bad movie to so bad it's amazing. This movie is stupid. It is, it, it's got some neat ideas, but it is a stupid goddamn movie that makes no sense. And I am 100% here for it, especially the third act. It's amazing. I love this movie. I am unashamed about how much I love this movie. And it's, not, it's like to the point where it's not even ironic anymore. I just en legitimately enjoy this movie. This I, might destroy all my credibility, but... I, I really don't want to yuck his yum, so I'm just mm. going to let him have it. <laughs> I mean, this, this, is, this man's full of horrible opinions, so <laughs> does it shock you? Second time I've been told that today. <laughs> Look, I'll agree as far as movies being so bad they're good. You and I share that love for Freddy's Dead, in which this that movie falls into the same category as this. Freddy's um, Dead is better. Freddy's Dead is Freddy's better. Freddy's Dead is way better. Yes. And I honestly, I wouldn't even say Freddy's Dead is a guilty pleasure. It's just pleasure. Yeah, exactly. But Jurassic Park 3, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, that's all I'm going to say. Okay, both of those movies are fucking fire, bro. Thank you, Derek. False. <laughs> yeah, th this is one of those, why the fuck do you like these movies that I, I have? I feel like I have one per franchise on one of these. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Why do you like this movie? And Protects Chainsaw, it's definitely this one for me. So... I'm excited to talk about it. I love this movie. You guys can talk as much crap as you want. Totally fine. You can't bring me down because every flaw you point out of this movie, I know and I embrace. Honestly, I don't even know if I have much to talk crap about. <laughs> um, all right. So the point of this podcast is we are trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies, no matter how bad or amazing they are. So <laughs> we're going to go through the plot of this movie beat by beat, decision by decision, and see if we need to add any new rules to our list, which is currently... Consists of 56 rules, which you can check that out on our Twitter account at HowToHorror. That's how the number two horror. And we'll see if we need to add any new rules to our list. And guys, I think there's one. We'll Ooh, find out. I got one, I think. I, I like this. Anything else before we get started here? Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw yeah. 3D. Uh, if you're a Texas Chainsaw fan, I'd recommend it. Most people I would not recommend this movie for, but there's actually like, there's a legitimate story here. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Again, if you like the Texas Chainsaw series... Watch it. Also, if you're just... It, it's October, right? It's spooktober. It's spooky season. If you're looking for a movie to watch totally drunk with a large group of friends, this absolutely fits the bill. Oh, yeah. Like, it's perfect Like, pick this over that really awful no-budget film on Amazon Prime. Yeah, this is the best party chainsaw movie. Easy. I'll agree with that, because yeah. it's not so uncomfortable. No. It's, it's, it's not a bummer of a movie. 
No. It's got some great gore. It's got sexy babes. Sexy guys, too. Uh, uh, Trisha Ong's is shirtless, so there's something for everybody here. It is just a fun time. Scott Eastwood is a good-looking man. Scott Eastwood is a good-looking man. Bill Mosley is a good-looking man. Bill Mosley is the peak <laughs> of the male you, form. You may not like it, but this is what peak physical <laughs> condition looks like. You may not like it, man. Uh, <laughs> music is my laugh. So text you into 3D. Go check it out if you want. If you don't, don't. <laughs> I can't say I would recommend this movie to anybody except myself, if I'm being honest. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Let's go. Let's rock. All right, let's get into the plot of Texas Chainsaw 3D. So the movie picks up directly after the events of the first movie. The same day Sally escaped from uh, the Sawyer homestead, Sheriff Hooper arrives on the scene. And I got to look up his name. I believe, yeah, his name is Tom Barry, uh, is the actor who plays him. He, is, he was in The Fast and Furious 1 and 2 as Paul Walker's boss in those movies. Yeah, like the FBI boss. Yes. And he was also in Space Jam as Michael Jordan's dad. And I have to assume that his character is absolutely a reference to the legendary Tobe Hooper, yeah. uh, who gave us the masterpiece that is Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, they named him after the director of the original. He is a, a a black man who is the sheriff of a small nothing town in Texas in, in 1974. 1974. I think that is important. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but he arrives at the Sawyer residence. He's here to arrest Leatherface because, obviously. <laughs> Some things may have happened, you know, with a bloodied up Sally named girl who escaped. A Sally named girl? Sally named girl with a, who's nearly murdered. Yeah, something like that. It's time to arrest there might There might have been a, a few more than attempted murders uh, at that house even. Yeah, the thing is, though, when we go back to Texas Chainsaw, like in Texas, you're allowed to defend your property. And they all just kind of like walked in there. Look, you're not wrong. <laughs> but everything with Franklin and Sally, a little too far. I mean, you could shoot them all you want or chainsaw them all you want, but when you strap them to a table and torture them, it crosses the line. You also, chainsawed my paraplegic brother. Also, I think cannibalism is just illegal, just outright. Yeah, it might be, even in Texas. So all the Sawyers are here. You know, we have our classic Sawyers. We have Drayton Sawyer, who's now played by Bill Mosley, who played Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Part 2. Absolutely blessed. Uh, we have Grandpa's back, played this by the same actor, John Dugan. He's back just for a second, but he's here. And a bunch of other Sawyers who we've never seen before, including one played by the original Leatherface, Gunnar Hansen, playing just Boss Sawyer. I think he's credited I as. felt so validated when I'm like, Ryan, who are these people? And you're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them we've never seen before. There's a whole clan of Sawyers, apparently, which is fine, whatever. But they're all here. They all got guns, and they're here to defend Leatherface because family. Bro, if you're if you discover like members of your family are killing and eating people, it's okay to cut them off. Dom Toretto wants to know your location. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might all be about family, but I don't know. I would love a Dom Toretto. A Fast and Furious 10 should be a Texas Chainsaw crossover where they're, it turns out they're cousins and he's got to defend uh, his uh, cannibalistic Dude, family. I think we've discussed this. Texas Chainsaw on high-speed vehicles. Yeah, I had this idea for a, a, a love letter to the movie Twister, but it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel, where, and it ends on a chainsaw fight on a, a storm chaser convoy. <laughs> I, like, I cross over Texas Chainsaw Massacre with pretty much any series, and I'm here for it. I think it works almost everywhere. Like, fuck it. Just throw some cannibals into this, this, this story. It's great. Cool story, bro. Needs more cannibals. Yep. So I'm looking through Ryan's DVD and Blu-ray collection while he says this. My eyes immediately go to holes, and I'm like, oh, oh, cannibals would make that movie way better. Yep. And that's already a good movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. This hole's been filled in. <laughs> 
<laughs> What's what are they hiding? <laughs> I like digging holes. I like eating people. High fives. God's, God's thumb. Is that the rock? No. <laughs> it's literally just a thumb. Like I was a big thumb. And I couldn't eat it because it was so big. <laughs> so I can fix that. <laughs> All right, Hollywood, let's make it holes too. <laughs> God. So Hooper Shooter arrests Leatherface and then negotiates with Drayton a little bit. At first, Drayton's like, we're not going to give him up. But then Gunnar Hansen Sawyer's like, eh, just just give him up. We don't all have to fry for this. Just give him up. It's fine. Seems fair. Seems fair. But then an entire fucking lynch mob shows up, led by a guy named Burt Hartman, who is just redneck man. That's his character, basically. Yeah. There's a whole That's army all of their characters. Yeah, there's a whole army of uh, rednecks here, and they're they're gonna murder all the Sawyers for what happened. They they literally have a noose. They're gonna lynch them all. Uh, they don't use it, but that's their plan. Uh, most of them have no development. It's just Bert, and then his main toady is a guy named Ollie, who's just also a redneck man. Mm-hmm. He's beta redneck man, <laughs> and Bert's the alpha. It turns into a big shootout. Basically, all the Sawyers get killed, including Drayton, Grandpa, Gunnar Hansen. Rip. Rule number four. Don't be a menace. I think this is for everybody involved. Yeah. The people lighting the house on fire and doing the shooting, and also the people killing and eating people. Yeah, no one's innocent here. The sheriff is literally here to arrest people. You let them have a chance to arrest people before you go burn their house yeah. down. And I'm and I'm not even going to fault the sheriff, because he, he. I think there might have been two police, yeah, uh, there's police, one officers, of the police there, officers there. But there's like two dozen yeah. lynch mobbers. Yeah. Uh, so he's a black man yep. in the 70s Texas. Oh, I mean, yeah all, yeah, all that aside. Because, I mean, you know, your job as a police officer is to keep the peace. But there's no way to keep this peace and at least... I don't even know. There's it, a reason you added the amendment to do your damn job being don't die in the process. Rule number three. He has not got a single way to do his damn job here without killing himself. And also, the family that's getting murdered here are a bunch of cannibals. Are we really going to miss them that much? You know, I'm not necessarily, you know, condoning looking the other way with vigilante justice, but if you're going to look the other way, this is a good time. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> uh, so they shoot at the house. Almost all the Sawyers are killed. Leatherface is going to end up escaping, and it turns out there is uh, a woman, one of the Sawyers, crawled out the back with her little baby. One of the rednecks, a guy named Gavin, uh, who's shitty redneck. <laughs> this guy sucks. <laughs> he finds them, and he and his wife are having trouble conceiving, so he takes the baby Kills the woman by kicking her in the nose and adopts the baby. So, I mean, rules for this woman, again, kind of the same stuff. Being involved in a family of cannibals probably wasn't the best for you. If your family's a bunch of cannibals, I suggest leaving that family. Yeah, yeah. Family's forever, man. Yeah, you know, part of the thing of this family, you know, blood runs deep. Like, okay, no, you can definitely cut ties, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is rule 35, if possible. Rule number 35, no one to cut ties. When your family, you know, is a bunch of cannibalistic murderers, that is the perfect time to cut ties. I don't see the Sawyers letting anybody cut ties, man. That's all I'm saying. sneaky about it, but yeah. Just... All I'm saying. So the sheriff ends up just, like, letting this all go. This they, 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 they actually get put in the newspaper. Like, they're heroes. They killed all the cannibals. Oh, yes, the 1970s. Like, no one gives a shit. But again, these were murderous cannibals. Who gives a shit? So we're going to cut to 40 years later. And Pretty fucking thir- close. 38 years later. And Alexandra Daddario, who was the little baby at the beginning, is now allegedly 38. 
She was 27 at the time of the, uh, making this movie. She looks like she could be 22. Bullshit. And currently, in real life, Alexander Daddario is 35. Still not as old as her character. No. <laughs> and she still doesn't look old enough to be that character in modern day. Dude, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. This makes no sense. Either make your movie take place in the 90s or recast. Yeah. Nonsense. Whatever. Guys, you know what? A religious skincare routine and a very strict diet can do wonders. So this is the little stuff I like here. Heather works in a butcher shop at a grocery store. Talk about a Sawyer. Mm-hmm. She yep. even brings little bones home to make art with. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> I caught that right away. I didn't know if... So I so I hadn't ever seen this movie, but I knew the twist coming in because I watched the kill count on it. Yep. I didn't know if Derek caught that this was supposed to be the same kid, so I didn't want to make a mention like, oh, runs in the family. So I will say I watched the entire movie assuming that she was the okay. baby. And yep. I mean, like, she's about to go talk to her parents. Like, you're supposed pa- to. Her adopted parents, yep. her, her kidnappers. So And it's the same people, so yeah. You, it's, it's a reasonable bet. Yeah. So Heather works at this grocery store. She's got a friend named Nikki, who's played by uh, Tanya Ramonde, who's on Lost. She was great on Lost. They're glad, doing... glad to hear she was great in something. Yeah, she wasn't great in this, but yeah, she one of the best scenes in Lost involves her. They are planning a road trip to New Orleans for Halloween, which is coming up. They're going to go with um, uh, Heather's boyfriend, Ryan, played by Trey Songs, who's a, a singer Yeah, I'm not really he, familiar with. Yes, he, he's a pop artist. I'm not familiar with him, but it was really funny. One day, I, not long after this movie came out, uh, a co-worker of mine was talking about Trey Songs. I was like, oh yeah, he was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 7. And she was both like... Really? He's in that movie? And like, and that's what you know him from? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't name a single song by him, but he's in one of my favorite movies. So that's cool. There isn't much to Ryan. He's there. Yeah. He kind of sucks. Eh, he do- I wouldn't even say he sucks. He just exists. I mean, he cheats on his girlfriend, but beyond Multiple that, times, but he's very reluctant to do so. Yeah, so that makes it okay. <laughs> it's fine. And then... Um, Young people things. They, uh, nearly 40-year-old people things, assuming that you're Heather right. is running yep. in circles with people her own age. I mean, and maybe, she's, maybe she just has the you know a taste for younger men. Yeah. Maybe she's Fair. a cougar. Maybe all the rest of the characters are in their 20s like they're supposed to look like, uh, and Heather is just... I don't even know. Inexplicably young looking. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, if you're looking for one song by Trey Songs, uh, Bottoms Up. So, Mr. Studio Girl. I'm Mr. Come on, guy. Really? That was Mr. Studio Girl? Yeah, that was Mr. Studio no. Girl. Oh, my God. Didn't the, know. The one, the only. Let's go. Well, uh, hot damn. <laughs> and the other person coming on the trip is Ryan's friend who has just started kind of dating Nikki, a guy named Kenny, who is easily the most likable character in this movie. They started hooking up. They started hooking up. They did not start dating. <laughs> Seems like a real nice guy who wants to be a chef. He gets super excited about food. Crepes. Crepes, man. <laughs> uh, Kenny is by far the, the most likable and popular character in this movie, just because he's not the only complete... He's the only one in this movie who isn't a complete idiot or terrible person. Fair. <laughs> but he's barely in the movie. Yeah. They're doing this road trip, but before they can go, Heather gets a letter saying her grandmother has died. But all of her grandmothers are already dead. So she confronts her parents about it, and they're like, yeah, you were adopted from a complete shithole, so you're welcome. And we should have left you there. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> oh. be, be better parents. Heather's going to go, like, check it out. And uh, the group's like, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll go to your the family homestead down in Newt, Texas. We'll go check it out. We'll, you can sign your paperwork, and then we'll go on to New Orleans. It'll be fun. Great. Cool. On the way, they stop at a gas station, and as they're pulling out of the gas station, Kenny, who's driving, hits someone with his car. Uh, this is Daryl. He is a hitchhiker, classic hitchhiker from the series. You know, especially from um, well, I guess he's nothing like um, 
Nubbins from the original. No, he is He's far from Nubbins. handsome Texas man. Mm-hmm. He totally threw himself in front of the car to yes. get a ride. This yeah. is the classic maneuver that you see in Rush all the time. Get a dash cam, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, let's let's be a little wary. This franchise does not have the best record with hitchhikers. And honestly, Daryl's going to end up being the best hitchhiker, like in terms of out of the ones You're you can pick not up. Wrong. Daryl's the best, and he still sucks. Yeah. And this is a rule violation, by it the way, is. because he's going to ask, like, hey, can I get catch ride with you? I'll, I'll pay you. Throws him $60. Yeah, no. No, th- this is a little bit of rule 30. Well, here's the thing. Can he hit him with his car? Yikes, you're in a tricky spot. I should sue you, but I'll sell it for some of that beef jerky. Give uh, him the beef jerky and leave. <laughs> so rule two, constant vigilance for Kenny. You know, you can maybe see a guy about to jump in front of your car as you're mm-hmm. pulling out. Okay, here's the thing. We're in, it's 2012. This happens at a gas station. Cameras are everywhere. I'm not leaving until I know he's not going to call a hit and run on me. Yeah. Yeah, because he could call a hit and run on you, technically. So he put him in a tricky spot. You know, we do, we do say rule number 13, don't pick up hitchhikers. But he's got you by the balls a little bit here. Because he could call the cops on you if he wanted to. It's probably the best reason I've seen for letting the hitchhiker go with you, but it is still a rule violation. I would just wait for the cops. Yep. I would just yeah. de- I would just deal with whatever civil penalty because like then it's not a hit and run, and if there's no meaningful damage done to him, then it's like okay, here's your dollar, <laughs> and then you go on your way. I'm still not picking up a hitchhiker. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but as I just mentioned with the cameras, if the cops come, they're going to review that footage. They're going to watch him throw himself in front of that car. Yep. So mm-hmm. this is 2012, not 1990. And like, you can put your. Uh, your trip on hold, you know, whether it's your vacation in New Orleans or your quick run through Newt, Texas. When you hit somebody with your car, everything else kind of gets put on pause at that moment. You, yeah. you, there's no important meeting. I mean, I guess the birth of your child, it still probably has to wait. Sorry. <laughs> give him the beef jerky and call it a day. Yeah, yeah. Don't give him a ride. <laughs> uh, beef jerky is definitely a small price to pay. But yeah. they end up taking Daryl with, and they get to Newt, Texas, which says like 2,000 people. It's a tiny-ass town. Um, and they get to... The house, which is on the outskirts of town, it's got a big old gate in front of it. The lawyer for the Sawyer estate, a guy named Farnsworth, and I guess technically it's the Carson estate because yep. the grandma, Verna Sawyer, married into the Carson family. Farnsworth shows up, played by Richard Real, I think is how you pronounce it, who's in Office Space. He's in a million movies. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? What the hell is wrong with you people? Live action Doug Dimmodome. Yes. <laughs> he's Doug Dimmodome, but no, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's in office space, and he's great in office space. He meets them, you know, got some papers for you, here's everything you need to know. Also, here's this letter. If you read this letter, you can completely avoid the horror movie, so read this letter. Also, here's your keys. One of them is three times bigger than the others. Well, one of these things <laughs> is not like the others. I'm going to get back to my oil fields. Comically <laughs> large keys. <laughs> you know, in Farnsworth... You know, for Farnsworth, he definitely should have been more severe about how important this letter is. Rule number nine, be careful what you say and how you say it. Like, hey, before you do anything, trust me, you read this letter. There's important shit in there. Read it. Eh, he's got better, bigger things to worry about. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. But he clients. didn't say it twice. And Heather is not going to read this letter. And if she had read this, read this letter, everyone would be alive. Communication is key. Communication is a two-way street. So, like... Listen, the lawyer says do it. You're about to get a frickin' mansion, and it's this gated property. Read the letter. She doesn't yeah. read the letter. Like, the last... Second well, she last does scene, eventually. The second to last <laughs> scene of the movie, she reads the letter. So they get to the house. It's a really nice manor. Uh, the, by far the nicest house we've seen in the Chainsaw series so far. The Carsons really take care of their house hell, much better than the Sawyers do. yeah. Um, there's, like, a cemetery on the plot, so that's concerning. But it's also, you know, it's a family plot. Whatever. They're all checking out the house. It's cool as hell. 
Um, they decide, hey, we'll, we'll stay the night here. This is a cool ass house with a little party. Daryl, the person they met that morning or the previous night, is like, hey, why don't you guys all pick up some steaks? Here's some money. You guys get some steaks. I will take the bags and I will clean the house for you. And we'll have a party because this is really cool. Okay, bye. Okay, person I met yesterday. Here's the keys to my mansion that I just got. Have fun. So they're going to leave this guy and he's just going to start pillaging the house. Rule 24, trust no one. Everybody's a suspect! Also, rule number 32, play stupid games, win stupid prizes! But Daryl shouldn't be a menace. Yeah, that's yeah. also a big rule four for Daryl. Big rule four for Daryl. And that's gonna get him killed. It is? You just met him! That's what I was hung up on. Like, no, no, I'll stay at my house. These guys can go get food without me. I'll stay at my house. So Daryl starts looting. Uh, meanwhile in town... Get a little, we get a little stuff. Um, we see Bert, catch up with Bert again. He's now the mayor because, of course, he is. That's the most Texas thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> One thing led to another, and now he's mayor. Look, he is a hero. He's a hero. He murdered all the cannibals. He's the mayor now. Uh, this is where it's revealed Nikki and Ryan slept together. Nikki wants to do it again. Well, you're on a trip with his girlfriend? And your current hookup buddy. <laughs> Ryan's like, no, never again. Yeah, And, and then uh, we meet Deputy Carl. He flirts with uh, Heather. Uh, she and Bert and uh, Deputy Carl all talk, and uh, they find out she's a sawyer. They're like, oh, shit. Hey, I'll buy your house from you. <laughs> and, and this is Deputy Carl played by Scott Eastwood. Yeah, right? Deputy Carl is played by Scott Eastwood, and he's Deputy Carl Handsome. Man. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, basically, they, they, you know, oh, there's some bad blood between them and the Sawyers. I wonder what it could be. <sighs> I love this movie. We can tell. So anyway, Daryl, he uh, he finds the basement. He finds like a hidden butler's door. Leads down to the basement. Giant metal door down there. Oh, God, I'd use the giant key to get in there. But there's another big metal door behind that with the classic Texas Chance of sliding door, and he's trying to open it. You know, this movie takes place in, in 2012, 2013, yep. right? I think Daryl's played some Skyrim, and he understands, like, if you get the you get the quest key and you get to the bottom, you can use that quest key to open the final loot. Yep. yep. And he was just super excited to get into that metal door. Meanwhile, well, I mean, he ran into a Draugr Death Lord. Well, yeah, meanwhile, he get, he's about to get banished to the deepest pit of Blackreach. <laughs> yeah, if you dig far enough, you always end up in Blackreach. <laughs> So while he's looking for tools to break open this door, he turns his back and Leatherface sneaks up on him and, and kills him. Clean, Roll two, constant vigilance. Cleans his clocks. Uh, beats him to death with a hammer. Classic yep. move. Uh, meat cleaver. Meat cleaver. Technically a hammer, but important distinction for our butcher boy. Rule number two, constant vigilance. Rule number four, opium menace. Goodbye, Daryl. Yeah, and by the way, what was his plan? Like, it, he, he's out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and he's got this duffel bag full of candlesticks. Like and it's Les Mis or something. And cutlery. He was going to fence it up because it was... But where like, was he going to go yeah, immediately like, where's he going to go? Exactly. It exactly. They could just drive around and probably find him pretty quickly. It, right. He's Look, just be lugging like 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 100 pounds worth of goods. Well, yeah. And like there's a scene where he's going down the stairs and he's like visibly struggling to get his duffel bag over his shoulder. Like, Jesus. So like Daryl is not a smart man. He did not think this plan through very much. I don't really understand. He he was just a plot device to yeah. to unlock Leatherface, but you he know, really, and he uh, like red herring. Like oh, he's a hitchhiker. He's in on it. Yeah, nope. I mean it's a it Texas did, Chainsaw. It movie. did get me. It did get me because I'm used to the hit, hitchhikers being Sawyers. I did predict that he was not going to be a Sawyer. I, I did say that I thought he might be a good guy. Like you know, ha, we're going to throw you off the oh, scent. No, no, you're still a bad guy. Yeah, he just wasn't a Sawyer. 
Um, so they all get back to the house. It's been looted, but they're going to party anyway because it's fine. Well, and that's, that's the other thing about this, like, burglary. Like, uh, Heather's friends are even like, it's just ashtrays and candlesticks. Like, you still got this entire mansion. Like, Call yeah, the cops, maybe? Well, call the cops, but it's it just goes to show, like, there's more valuable shit in this house, and he's just ignoring it for the fucking shit. Stupid asshole. Yes. <laughs> so they're all partying, you know, Kenny's cooking, Nikki's getting high, Ryan's drinking and playing pool. Heather's looking at some of the photos, and what, what I didn't mention about Heather, she's got this kind of weird-ass birthmark on her shoulder. And what that was is all the women in the Sawyer family have an, a, a locket with, like, an S, an S necklace, basically. Mm-hmm. And it got, like, burned into her skin during the fire. So, mm-hmm. uh, And she notices all the women in the photos all have this S-shaped necklace, and it looks a lot like her birthmark. wonder what that could mean, possibly. Weird. It means Superman, actually. Uh, on our planet, it means hope. Yep, it means hope. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny is cooking. He he finds the hidden door, and he goes downstairs to check it out. Oh, no, it's Leatherface. <laughs> Kenny tries to run away. <laughs> Rule number 11, get out. Get out! He even pulled, like, the, the, the 12-year-old and tried to, like, gorilla up the stairs. Yep, yep. <laughs> and still got caught. <laughs> uh, Leatherface had a meat hook and drags him back down. Classic leather. Now, for Kenny, when he got first got down to the basement, there was blood down there. Maybe Daryl's down there, maybe he's hurt, or maybe he's lying in wait for you. You could be in a horror movie, Kenny. Maybe go get some backup before going further to explore. Yeah, and he did call out for Daryl, like, because they were, like, kind of on edge about him. Yeah. Since he, they thought he robbed and fucked off, but then he finds the keys in the door, sees the blood, so he's like, oh, oh shit. Sees the bag. Yep. Uh, so, rule 12, wait for backup. He probably should have at least gotten Ryan and, and the others and, and come oh, back. yeah. Now, ideally, he shuts the door, locks it, and goes back upstairs. And then... Movie may be over, depending on where Leatherface is at this exact moment. I do think he's still in the basement. Yes, he, he is, so. and he wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to get out. Yep, right. So you know, ideally, like that's what I see. But then again, I'm a viewer. Yes. So Kenny's not dead yet, but he's basically dead. Yep. So not much for Kenny, but there's a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one hears Kenny screams because Ryan's playing music super loud. So bummer, dude. Nikki tricks Ryan into going out to the barn by pretending there's something horrible out there, but she's just going to seduce him, which she does. Successfully. Yeah, he puts up a little bit of a fight. <laughs> What's so funny is, like, this doesn't matter to the plot at all. Like, Heather, I don't think, ever discovers that they were no. having an affair. Uh, people die too quickly. Yeah. And, yeah. like, that could have been an interesting plot device. See, I actually, I, I think that she might have noticed, but we, we'll get there eventually. We'll get there eventually. So I'll just leave it alone. Yeah, they're all going to die too quickly to do anything about it. Yeah. Yep. Heather finds Verna Sawyer's corpse in her bedroom. That's not where that's supposed to be. Because <laughs> she saw her grave earlier down in this thing at the graveyard. Yeah, and you notice it's uh, f- still freshly dug. You know, it's it's the dirt's been replaced. Yep. So freshly dug grave. Now suddenly it's in the bedroom. What the fuck? Rule number one, you're in a horror movie. You find corpses around your house. It's a good, good sign. In- inside your inherited mansion, you found a corpse. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah. She goes downstairs and finds Leatherface in the kitchen cutting a hand. <laughs> so casually, too. I, lo- I love that scene. Like, like, as though he's shaving, like, the skin off yes. a carrot, you know? Or, like, yes. skinning a potato. <laughs> she tries to leave, but he just grabs her and yeets her into a, a heavy wooden uh, table and gets knocked out. Because he doesn't know who she is yet. Yeah, she doesn't know. He doesn't recognize her. So she wakes up in the basement and... Leatherface has not tied her up, which is a bad move on Leatherface's part. Yeah, a little bit out of character. I mentioned during the scene, like, Heather is very lucky he's got two other bodies to butcher right now because he's got Daryl and Kenny. Um, yeah. Put her in the meat hook for now. Yeah. Rule number 29, no half measures. No more half measures, Walter. Just put her on the meat hook. Yeah. 
He's carving up Daryl and Kenny. He puts Kenny on a meat hook. To Kenny's credit, he tries to grab at Leatherface and do something. Rule yeah. 17, never give up. The next thing you try it might work. Unfortunately, this is not <laughs> going to work. In the best kill of the movie, oh, yeah. Leather cuts Kenny clean in half at the waistline. The, yeah, it's like, awesome. <laughs> speaking of no half measures. Oh my so. god, they killed Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. You've been just sitting on that oh, one. Oh yeah, 100%. I was really hoping Derek would have jumped in to steal that joke from Ryan. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him have it. So so rip Kenny, great kill, nice enough character, bummer to see him go early, but it, it's fun. And not many rule violations, honestly. No. Heather sees this opportunity to get the fuck out. Yep. She takes off running. Up the stairs, which is in this case is a good one. Yep, yep. She gets up to the main floor. She gets out the front door and trips and falls. To be fair, she definitely got concussed. Oh, she's concussed. She's tripping all over the Yup. <laughs> Very hilariously. She trips on the stairs, trips climbing over a fence. It's great. She decides to hide in the graveyard in a coffin, Verna's coffin. No! <laughs> That's the worst idea. You just corner yourself. Yep. And Leatherface is going to figure out she's there, and she, like, screams and gives away her position, just confirming she's there. Rule 26, don't give away your position. And he's just chopping his way into the coffin. She should be dead. She should be dead multiple times by now. <laughs> Dude, the plot armor is thick for Heather. Mm. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, Nikki and Ryan, they hear the, the sounds, and they're like, what the fuck? Is that a guy with a chainsaw? Hey! Well, they come out of the barn still half naked. Half naked. <laughs> Hey, Chainsaw Man, what are you doing? Oh, no. <laughs> what have I done? Nikki and Ryan, you guys are in a horror movie. Yeah, Leather makes a dead sprint for them. <laughs> they barricade themselves in a bar, and to their credit, they lock and load immediately. Rule 5, lock and load. Ryan grabs a shovel, Nikki finds a gun. Just chilling in a gun rack on the truck in the barn. Like, yeah, it's really conveniently well, right placed. for Texas, though. Yeah, the, the, you know, of all of the dumb places that horror movie characters have procured weapons from yep. this one this one tracks very yeah. well this is the most likely dumb one <laughs> uh and she's got a great one one-liner welcome to texas motherfucker and shoots him he actually lives in texas so. if you do not yeah it doesn't make sense nikki she she misses but it scares them off long enough heather gets their car drives it into the barn and the three of them all drive away and the movie's over right i wish <laughs> why didn't they keep the gun did she drop the gun? Well, she didn't have it in the van, and it was oh, a double yeah. barrel. Yeah, it was she, only one shot. So, like, she absolutely lost that gun. Rule seven, don't leave your weapon behind. And I think it was off screen, so it's not like explicit or anything. Yeah. But yeah, firmly grasp it. Firmly grasp it. Firmly grasp it. At some point, Heather and Ryan switch spots so Ryan can drive. Probably a good idea since Heather's concussed. concussed. <laughs> you know what? Fair. Ryan panics because they're they're driving away. They're heading for the main gate. And the gate's automatic, so as they're approaching it, it opens for them. They, they drove out of this place earlier. They saw it happen. Rule 10, don't panic. And also, rule number 42, don't charge ahead. He just decides to ram the gate. Dude, why? Leatherface uh, is on foot. You know, I'm going to be completely honest. I probably would have made that exact same mistake. I, I don't think that the, the mass of that van mixed with the inertia of the movement would get stopped by that gate, but clearly they spared no expense, and that is the bougiest gate and the strongest gate. It would have taken Grom to knock it open. Hey, to be fair, she needed security because she was hated in that town, so it actually makes sense. It, it, it makes enough sense. I'm just saying I would have made the mistake, but a mistake it remains. Yes. She also needed to keep Leatherface on the property. Yeah. Yep. So fucks up the car, 
So they have to slowly try and get it started, slowly back up, slowly let the gate open before they can get out. Plenty of time for Leatherface. Then slowly try to start it again. Yeah. (laughs) It ends up Leatherface catches up and he slices open one of the tires on the van. And they try and drive away anyway and crash the car. And Ryan goes through the windshield and dies. Oof. (laughs) So I have a new rule. Seatbelt save lives. Rule number 57, buckle up, buckaroo. Buckle up, buckaroo. <laughs> uh, seatbelts save lives. Where are your seatbelts, people? We're getting closer and closer to Zombieland every day here. Yes, we are. <laughs> but yeah, he's right. His seatbelt would have saved Ryan's life. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan panicked, charged ahead when he shouldn't have. It, look, just imagine, if he hadn't done that, they, the, all three of them would have lived. And then it just turns into a drama about uh, these two cheating and then that's what the rest of the movie is about. And I do, I do want to give an unspoken nod. Maybe, and maybe it's because she's concussed, or maybe it's because she sorted out her priorities. But Heather does not be like, "Hey, why are you wearing his shirt, and why are you shirtless, and why were you in the barn together?" We ne- we don't ever get there. She just like drives the van and is like, L- "Listen, it's time to go." Bigger fish fry, or she doesn't notice. And Unclear. So so Heather does a lot of things wrong in this movie, but she sorted out her priorities. I don't want to uh, give her that much credit. No, I'm gonna go with concussed. I'm gonna go with concussed. <laughs> I, Heather is so dumb in this movie that I refuse to give her any explicit hey, credit. On a multiple choice test, you can guess and get the right answer, and you get credit <laughs> for that answer. So. She gets some credit for no, me. No, no, you were just giving the poor sick girl who got injured just like, oh, you get an A on the test. She doesn't get an A. She gets one right. You're being too nice, Derek. <laughs> so the car is on it on its uh, it's upside down at this point. So Leatherface gets there, just starts cutting in, and then he even actually flips it on its side, which is really clever. It gives them less places to escape from, and and it's harder for them to dodge the chainsaw. And, and just just a second, I think rule eight is like don't leave your shelter, right? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. th- th- this is not a shelter. No, this is currently shelter. an inhibition. And Heather, because I, you know, I just gave her some praise. I just sang some praises. She's like, she wants to hide here. Like, he doesn't know you're in the car. Like, he, he, <laughs> he just watched the car flip. It's time to leave. Rule twenty-eight: Run, bitch, run. Run, bitch, run. Yes. So it it's it, it turned like. Does she think it's a T-Rex? Like I don't know. I mean, he does flip the car with he his does hands. Flip the car. So Nikki gets sliced because she just doesn't move. She just lays there. <laughs> run, bitch, run. Do something. Don't panic. So Heather, she gets out of the car and she's like, hey, you, over here, come chase me instead. And, and you know, to, to, to the movie's credit, this makes sense because Sally got away in the first movie. Leatherface lost everything. He doesn't want any girls to get away. Maybe he should double tap first, but Nikki's not going anywhere. No. It's going to work out. So we get a chase scene through the woods and we end up at a carnival. Of course we do. With a house of horrors, nonetheless. Oh, by the way, uh, Lionsgate distributed this movie, so uh, the house of horrors has a uh, pig face pig with head. a chainsaw. Yeah, pig head pig shows head, thank up. Thank you. Pig head shows up. He's working the haunted house. Yeah, Heather's running around the carnival getting chased by Leatherface, and all the people at the carnival are like, oh my god, and they just get the <laughs> fuck out of there. Like, nope! A good move by everybody at the carnival, yep. especially the person who's like, I am not fighting you with my chainsaw. Yep. No. <laughs> Everyone just runs away. Leatherface doesn't give a shit about them. He only has eyes for Heather. There's a great scene where she's like, oh, I'm going to climb up on this Ferris wheel to get away. Oh, no, it goes back down. <laughs> Such a pointless scene, but it made me laugh. And meanwhile, everyone on the Ferris wheel is just like, oh, this is normal. This is okay. This oh, well, the fine. Sawyer boy's back out with his chainsaw again. <laughs> we thought he died a few years ago, but sure enough, he's back. Deputy Carl shows up and has got his gun. 
because he's a cop, and he's like, hey, freeze. And the fish just yeets his chainsaw <laughs> at him in 3D. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot this movie was in 3D until that scene. <laughs> so good. Leatherface runs away and Heather gets taken to the police station. Oh, horror movie's over, right? No. Nope. Should be. <laughs> and that is kind of fun because this is where a normal horror movie ends. Like that was the big third act chase and we're done. No, we still got like uh, more than half an hour left. Yeah, about here's where we paused to have our little t- discussion. And she's about to go crazy. So Sheriff Hooper arrives back at the police station, you know, to take care of this situation. He is not aged a day from 74. Nope. Neither is Bert. They all look exactly the same. Again, great skincare routines. The 40 years have done them well. I guess. <laughs> we also meet, really for the first time, he's technically in the movie earlier, we have Deputy Marvin, who is at the lynching site, and he's in the photograph in the newspaper. He didn't really take part, but he was, he's a cop. Uh, also redneck, shitty cop. He basically gun nut, happy to, you know, just open fire kind of guy. He's investigating the crash site. No one's there. Lots of blood, but there's no bodies. So the sheriff's like, all right, just, just stay there for now. Uh, Heather tells the sheriff everything, blah, 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 blah. Bert shows up and he's all pissed off because he's Mr. Mayor now. And he's like, hey, someone just tore up my carnival. I'm a big to-do, and this carnival's way more important than the homicides that are taking <laughs> place at the local domiciles. <laughs> So Marvin goes to check out the main gate, and he finds, like, more evidence of the crime scene. And Sheriff's like, hey, don't go anywhere. Stay put. We got we need backup. You know, we got to wait for backup. Rule 12. Bert's like, Marvin, you go in there right now. You got your gun, right? Yep. All right, you get in there. Okay. <laughs> so you? he was just waiting for an excuse. He was waiting for an excuse. Got my Desert Eagle with the extended mag. You stupid fuck. <laughs> hey, hey. In his defense, a chainsaw does not make him bulletproof. True. Another great line. Uh, you know, he's got a weapon, but you're going to go into Haunted Murder House alone. In close quarters, and you're not familiar with said house. You moron. Uh, worst movie of the movie. I agree. Because at this point, there's clear and present danger. Why are you going into that house alone? Yeah. It makes no sense. Um, probably because bad writing. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the excuse is like, hey, Nikki was last seen alive. She could still be alive. Yes. But uh, that doesn't mean you get yourself killed in the process. Yep. It's like trying to save a drowning person. Yep. Mm-hmm. You need backup. You got to wait for backup. But he's going to go in anyway. Meanwhile, Heather's going through all of the evidence because they just left out all the evidence of the Sawyer incident. Yeah, not sure that's protocol. So do your damn job. Do your damn job. But she reads all of it. And it's so funny because she's like, oh, my God, they murdered all these cannibals. And they almost murdered me in the process. Okay, you almost died there. But can you blame them? They were cannibalistic murderers. if If your big takeaway from that newspaper clipping is how angry you are that they killed cannibals, like... You might need to sort out your priorities. Hey, those cannibals were her family. It's family over family, everything. Oh, man. This Guys, is... feel free to rescue me from cannibals whenever you want. This is so terrible. <laughs> and she's going to get to the end of it and realize Bert was involved and, and the leader of the whole thing. And he, she's going to write on like the big photograph, murderers, you guys are murderers. And she's going to run away from the police station. No, technically correct. But again, cannibals. And also, this person... Just killed three of your friends. Well, two, but, like, three of your friends, as far as you know. So, like, I don't understand how even if you're in a fragile state right now, you can be mad at these people when you don't even know enough about them. And then all of a sudden, this is bad writing. She can end the movie right now by being, oh, my God, this is pretty fucked up. Yeah, I don't really blame you guys at all. 
And so Burt's going to be like, oh, okay, that's fine. Movie's <laughs> over. Credits. Written by George Lucas. Uh, to be fair, Burt was very intent on killing Heather just for being a Sawyer. Yes. Uh, so I don't think movie would have ended there. I think Heather would have been killed. Sheriff was right there. Sheriff though. was right there, though. And, and he was on her side. Yes. And armed. Heather, you're, you're stupid. You're just stupid. I mean, Bert, you're also stupid. Everyone in this movie is stupid. <laughs> Except the sheriff. Except the sheriff. All right. It's so good. Marvin goes in the house, and this is where it's blatant that it's now 2012, because he's got an iPhone, and he FaceTimes the whole thing to the sheriff and Bert. <laughs> okay, this is terrible. Yeah, he's filming in portrait. He's filming, he's filming in portrait. The sheriff and Bert are watching in landscape, and it looks perfect. Rule number two, constant vigilance. If you're focused on getting a clear shot of everything, you're not focused on getting a clear shot with your gun, okay? You're going into a murderer's house alone. You don't be focused on filming stuff. You just don't go in here. But if you're going to go in here, don't be distracted. I need a visual. Yes, sir. You're the mayor. You don't have any power here. Fuck off, Mr. Mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Kindly take two steps back and fuck your own face. (laughs) Lol. (laughs) It's so bad. Martin goes down in the basement. Classic murder stuff. Great. Get out of here. Hey, look at all those bodies. Hey, also, what's in that freezer? Go check out the freezer for some reason, Marvin. Inside the freezer is Nikki, still alive. She does the classic text James thing where she sits up and screams, and Marvin just shoots her in the face. <laughs> but don't worry, Mr. Mayor says, didn't happen. <laughs> didn't, didn't say anything. <laughs> when, when the mayor We'll says cover that one up. <laughs> Do I blame him for just opening fire on this? No. He should not have been here, though. This entire sequence was just hilarious. Because she may have survived the movie otherwise. We don't know how badly injured she was, or yeah. you know. So it's a real bummer and a half. This is why I follow protocol and wait for backup. Do a lot of things differently. So for Nikki, she was screwed by I guess by the time she got here. Um, First of all, by Heather's boyfriend. Yes. Yes. So getting to the van, she really just like panicked and got seriously injured and let herself get dragged off. Uh, and she uh, lost her weapon. Yep. She left her weapon behind. Uh, she let herself get taken to a secondary location, which is rule number 38. So, I mean, she wasn't horrible, but she did make some mistakes. So it, it's almost like she didn't have any opportunity really to avoid this horror movie. No. She was just kind of put into the thick of it. And once she was under the microscope, under the gun, or I guess under the chainsaw, more appropriately, <laughs> uh, she kind of failed in all of those high-pressure situations where there was snap decisions. The one good thing she did was find the gun and then just completely misused it. Yep, so, yep. Uh, she didn't take a shot, rule 22. Yep, yep. So, you know, there have been a lot worse performers in movies, a lot better. In this movie. But y- yeah, yeah. So, I-, I would say overall she's a net positive. Marvin's going to leave, but on his way out, he gets attacked by Leatherface and killed, and his face torn off. <laughs> really pointlessly, too. I think he just wanted, I don't think he wanted a new face. I think he just wanted to rip off the faces of the people who murdered his family. I suppose because we see him scratching their faces yep. off on the newspaper. That is fair. Yeah, he's, That's a good he, point. He's scratching the faces of all the people who are in the photograph, which is kind of cool plot thing. Yeah. I like that. I'm, I'm going to keep it Skyrim. It's like the dragon priest masks. He, you know? He's just collecting the masks. Yep. Yeah, Jesus. So, that, so that he can you know get the golden one at the end. I have to mention this just because it's so out of place and weird, but after he tears Marvin's face off... He goes and, like, sews the skin mask he's currently wearing to his cheek. Just really pointlessly. He's going to war, and he needs to keep it on his face. <sighs> I guess that's his version of war paint. I guess, but, it, like, it just it comes out of nowhere, yeah. and it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, so, like, the rest of the movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say, 
everything in this movie felt out of place, and somehow this part still didn't belong. Yeah. <laughs> wonder how I got these scars. <laughs> so, Marvin, you're a stupid asshole. <laughs> he did one thing right, which was locking and loading, but he is, besides that, he is batting zero. He is so terrible. <laughs> yeah. What a dumbass. Going into haunted murder house alone. God, you suck, Marvin. Rule three, do your damn job, but don't die in the process. You know, don't go into a murder house alone. You get killed in murder houses. <laughs> That's what happens in murder houses. Oh, God. So Heather calls Farnsworth. He's like, hey, I got some <laughs> questions. So they decide to meet up at a bar. Like you do after, like, a couple NDEs, right? Yep. Just, oh, I'll meet you a quarter mile away. I, no, no, I'm concussed with a bad limp. Can you just pick me up? And we'll yeah, drive out of I'm also being hunted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wanted by the long arm of the law. Uh, rule 11, all, both of you just need to get out. Yeah. <laughs> um, first question, Farnsworth. It's like, did you read the letter? No. Well, I told you to, didn't I? <laughs> she, she explained it in the letter. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Yeah, that guy is your cousin. If you had identified yourself as the cousin, he would have been like, oh, cool, it's fine. And all of you would have lived. Also, he doesn't mention this, but in the letter is the same necklace that all the fucking matriarchs of the family wear. If you would have read the letter, you'd have had the necklace. He never would have chased you in the first place. You fucking idiot. Yep. So they're talking and we get some backstory and all the classic stuff. Bert shows up at the bar because the bartender is in on the thing and, and tipped him off. Uh, Heather leaves and immediately gets run over by Ollie driving a car. <laughs> look what both ways before crossing the street. <laughs> you know, yep. Uh, definitely look both ways before crossing the street, which is rule number 16. But on the flip side for Ollie. Use your car as a weapon. Use your car as a hey. weapon. <laughs> rule 39. But again, don't be um, a menace. I think we should give Heather, uh, before she leaves, she grabs the steak knife. Yep. So she, she locked and loaded. She locks and loads with the steak knife. It's going to get taken from her pretty soon here. But she does slash Ollie with it and runs away. So good for her. Unfortunately, she's going to flag down uh, Deputy Carl for help. Rule 24, trust no one. Because he's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Get in the back of my car. I'll take you where you need to go. Oh, no, you're Bert's son, Deputy Hartman. God damn it. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Yeah, always, I, I don't know, if I don't have to ride in the back of a cop car, like, there was time. Just get in the passenger seat, and then you can get out of the car if you want. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, that technically, I don't think it's protocol. I think most cops wouldn't leave Yeah, and it, he but. opened the back door for her, so there yeah. could have been some mind game there going on. Like, yeah. oh, here, get on in. Yeah, it's in the heat of the moment. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily blame her for this, yeah. and that's yeah. why I'm not calling it a violation. It's just the second I saw her get into the back of the car, I'm like, oh, he's a bad guy, because yeah. he didn't know yet. But she shouldn't be here True. at this spot. It's just so many things she did wrong to get here. Her and Doug Dimmodome should be three miles out of town. Yep, for real. <laughs> so they're going to take her up to the slaughterhouse. That's the plan. Uh, Bert and all are going to head up there. Deputy Carl's going to take her up there. Um, they're gonna As help. is, Leatherface, who was wheeling in the abandoned uh, car from Marvin and heard over the radio that they were taking the girl to the slaughterhouse. Oh, Time to go get my revenge, finally. Hee-ho. Puts on a, a nice tie and grabs his finest chainsaw. Okay, I love goes. whenever they give Leatherface a tie, though. Yeah. Leatherface and tie is a good look. And I will say, like, him catching that on the radio, it felt very Michael Myers. Yeah. I think it was it was it number four when he turned into this strategic genius. Yep. Where he was like, aha, you've boarded me mm -hmm. inside the house with you. And I was like, wow. Yeah. What well, a smart dude. This, this is the smartest Leatherface. Yes. He's going to war. Uh, he's ready for battle. It's really fun. Also, he's kind of an anti-hero now. He's gone from the, being the villain of the movie to like the well, secondary protagonist. I mentioned this at the end of our movie 
or of our screening, I should call it. I don't ever see Leatherface as the villain. Sure. He's a tool. Yes. Uh, Freddy has his glove. Jason has his machete. The Sawyers have Leatherface. The yes. weapon isn't the chainsaw. The weapon is the person. He's the attack dog. He, the he is the... He is, he's an animal. He is a... He is a grown man, absurdly strong, with the mind of a toddler. He's an animal. And they just sick him on whoever they're trying to kill. Then this is the first time he has no one telling him what to do. Exactly. Which is fun. But he's still honor-bound, loyal-bound, whatever you want to call it, to his family and wants wants vengeance for them. Yeah, and so his plan is to go kill Heather at this point because he doesn't want the girl to get away. You know, he's protecting his family, even though they're all dead. Yeah. Except Heather. So everyone converges on Slaughterhouse, and uh, even uh, Farnsworth, the lawyer, he goes and tells Sheriff Hooper what's going on, and Hooper's on his way. Everyone's going to the Slaughterhouse. Carl ties Heather up inside the Slaughterhouse, and her shirt gets undone. Uh, Conveniently. Conveniently. And this is just so we could see the birthmark reveal later. I don't think that's just the reason. Okay. That and for lots of side boobs. Half, half gratuitous nudity. It's, to, it's to be fair, they do a great job anchoring that shirt down <laughs> when she's wrestling around. Yeah. All <laughs> kinds of double-sided tape on that. Yep. I've but. seen strapless wedding dresses before, and I, and I know how big of a hassle they are. Mm-hmm. But yes, the, the shirt's undone through the middle. Bert and Ollie show up, and they're like, all right, Carl, you need to get out of here. There's no place for a cop. The small town corruption here, I tell you what. Don't be a menace. <laughs> But he's being a good dad. He's been a good dad. So Carl just leaves the movie. He's gone. Bye, yep. Scott Eastwood. <laughs> so they go in. Leatherface is also here, and he is going to kill Heather, but then he conveniently sees the birthmark. He's like, oh, oh my sh- cousin. Oh, shit. Wow, that looks like a backwards S burned from our family crest. Oh, my God, I have hope now. Time to cut you down. Get your get the tape off your mouth. <laughs> it's all good. And then Bert and Ollie attack, and Heather escapes, but they're going to drag off Leatherface and throw him in a meat grinder. This makes me so uncomfortable, this scene. They're beating up Leatherface? They're just beating up a a stunted kid. Yeah, I mean, they call him hard R. Yeah, I didn't want to say that word, but, like, they're just beating up a kid who can't really defend himself at this point. They're just beating the shit out of Leatherface, they're going to throw him in a meat grinder, the Biggest meat grinder the world has ever seen. And honestly, like, they're being dramatic. They're yeah. playing with their food. It feels a little bit like no half measures. Yes, definitely. Um, but it, it also feels like the one that, it, it's an informal rule that I always reference, but it's like, you caught me monologuing, you sly dog. <laughs> you sly dog. You got me monologuing. No half measures is kind of like the uh, the Bond villain version of this. Yeah. Yep. Where, like, you don't need a monologue, and this is redneck monologue. And basically, by monologue, I mean they're just going to insult him and, you know, that's all they're... It's not really a monologue. It's just like, we got you, dumb piece of shit, kind of stuff. Hurry, go turn on the meat grinder. But yeah, that's... You know, you could just not use the meat grinder and you just shoot him. Yeah, yeah. you have guns. <laughs> Heather gets out of the, the slaughterhouse, but decides to go back and protect Leatherface. Okay. He's not trying to kill you anymore. You do need allies in the fight against the Hartman. Okay, here's the thing. Her entire goal of this movie has been find where she's from, find her real family, because her adopted parents have been pieces of shit. She's never really felt like she belongs anywhere. She's looking for family. She has family now. Yep. It's all about family with the Sawyers, Ryan. All about family. All about family. You know, with the two Fast and Furious actors of this movie, this really is Fast and the Furious 2 Chainsaw 2 Massacre. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to fault Heather for going back in because they made a big, big to-do about how she's looking for answers as far as her past and her family. She's not allowed to let her family die. Plus, she's got a whole town trying to kill her. Yes, that too. <laughs> I will fault her. I think she should leave. Because even if he's family, he murdered three of your, well, two of your friends 
and tried to murder you. And Hold Kenny. up. He murdered one of her friends and her cheating boyfriend and cheating best friend. And, uh, uh, still friends. Mm. Still friends. Like, cheating is bad. But it's not worth losing your life in a horror movie bad. Disagree! No! (laughs) No. I stand firmly by it. Anyway, you know, 55, connect with the villain. All right, she's connecting with Leatherface, and she's going to team up with him. Great. (laughs) If you can team up with the villain where it works out fine for both of you, okay. I I can support this. We're going to continue to move this movie forward. I still think she should have left, but we're here now. Yeah, the the, the only problem with, you know, that is she's got a whole town trying to murder her. She needs allies. Frankly, if we're going to pick on her that much, she should have never been in this position. Oh, yeah, but we... we (laughs) Of all her bad decisions, this is one of the less bad. This is where it's like, it's in a vacuum, you know, you drop us in right here. What do we do right now? So she comes in as Ollie turns on the meat grinder, and she stabs Ollie to death with a pitchfork. Then she comes in the main room, and the greatest thing to ever happen in cinematic history happens. She picks up the chainsaw, tosses it to Leatherface, and says, and I quote, Do your thing, cuz. <laughs> it's so good. So good it's, kiss. so good it's bad. It's the greatest line of dialogue that has ever been written. And by the way, hell of a toss. She yep. slides that right into the bread basket. Gives him his chainsaw. We get a, a 2v1 fight. The, the, the Sawyers against Bert. Heather gets kind of yeeted out of it pretty quickly, but they're all locked and loaded. That's something. Sheriff Hooper shows up and he's going to shoot Leatherface, but Heather's like, don't do it. And he doesn't do it. <laughs> uh, so Leatherface puts Bert in the meat grinder and chops him to bits. Yeah, so what, I, I really like the way this is done. So he had gotten. Bert's tendons earlier, yep. so Bert can't walk. So Leather just like keeps like nicking at the near his fingers, so Bert backs himself into the meat grinder, and then Leather takes his hands off. It's just really visually cool. Slides down, and then the horrible <laughs> visual effects look yep. terrible. Yeah. Uh, Very but- creative, uh, horrible execution. I almost think they should have left that one to the imagination and just recorded some audio if that's what it was going to end yeah. up looking like. I would have been okay with them cutting the hands off and then show a little bit of the yeah. s- the sliding. Sure. And then you, you just, just see like... Blood spray. You, blood spray. You see Heather's face. Like, see her watch what happened. And how much, how far she's fallen, she doesn't react. We're writing a better movie right now. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, just a, a close-up on Leatherface's face while you hear the horrible, yep. shrieking death of, of Bert. Yep. You know? Or just get, like, a fake body and throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. There's ways to do an effect like this practically. And but, it, it did not look good. But then, if you change it, you change Texas Chainsaw 3D, and I don't know if I can abide that. I can very much abide <laughs> that, because there is a lot of room for improvement. So Bert's dead. I think we can just safely sum all of this up as rule four, don't be a menace. Yeah. 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 I mean, we could get in there into the minutia, but... It all boils down uh, to that. You know, he's not winning any awards for being the best performer in this movie. No. So... Being the best performer in this movie, I want to say right now, is like being the tallest person in Munchkinland. It's not that <laughs> impressive. Sheriff Hooper's just like, eh, fuck it. Clean this up. I don't give a shit. But he's just like, eh, I don't get paid enough to deal with this shit. Clean, you clean this up. Good move. Again, I very rarely say this. This is not your job, but you're not dying in the process. Mm -hmm. But you're still letting Leatherface go when your original goal is to arrest him. He is very dangerous. (laughs) I don't know. Look, look, you're not wrong, okay? (laughs) But again, Leatherface really only killed trespassers. Yeah. 
He stood his ground. He yeah, did toss his spell. chainsaw around a carnival. I, I did forget the terrorizing yep. the carnival, though. Yeah. So uh, Heather and uh, Leatherface, they go back to the house, and it's time for a sitcom. Heather and Leather was the pitch, you guys. Uh, <laughs> they're going to live there now, and who knows yep. what wacky adventures are going to happen next. Heather opens the letter and gets the necklace yep. and reads all the shit that would have, you know, stopped this movie. This is one of the most avoidable horror movies I've ever seen. Not the most. That goes to Conjuring. No, uh, Annabelle 3 is the most avoidable horror movie I've ever made. I want to see the recut of this movie where they read the letter right, letter right away, go find Leather, introduce him to Heather, and then introduce him to Heather's friends, and Leather's playing pool with Ryan during the cookout. I want to see that cut of the movie. I want to see... Uh, not maybe not, fan, but like a dark comedy version of this movie where it's uh it's leather and friends. Yep, <laughs> I am so in for this. Well, because you do that, and suddenly Daryl's like, he's wearing a human face, and I'm gonna try and rob them. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's just like, you know what? I like this group of friends. I'm, I'm down on my luck. This is my new start. They, they redeem him. Yeah, he gets <laughs> Daryl's redemption. <laughs> And it's just about Leather and Friends and their wacky adventures in New Texas. What a great TV show This sounds idea. like a great mid-season finale. Yes. You know, Daryl turning over a new leaf. I, I am here for this. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Heather decides she's going to stay and take care of Leatherface and live happily ever after. Uh, we get a post credit scene where her uh, adoptive parents, Gavin and Arlene, they show up to you know get some money. The front door opens and Leatherface comes out with a chainsaw. Which those guys? It, it's it fits with his path for vengeance. They were part of the mob, so yep, they were both in the newspaper. Rule number four: Don't be a menace. Also, don't get greedy. Right. Uh, which is rule number forty-four. Forty-four. And you know your rules better. The rules better than I do. Also, don't steal children. Uh, also, don't steal children. But yeah, don't to be, be a menace. Fair. <laughs> to be fair at all, getting a child out of cannibalistic clan of murderers. Is a good thing. Cool motive. Still kidnapping. Cool yeah, motive. Yeah, still kidnapping. Yeah. Absolutely and right. Bert would have probably killed the baby too because baby was a Sawyer. So in mm. a weird way, they did save her, but still kidnapping. Yeah. Cool motive. Still kidnapping. There's yep. process for this. <laughs> Call a social worker. Anyway, that is Texas Chainsaw 3D. Amazing. Just unbelievable. It's film. a movie. I think I like it less after we went through beat by beat, decision by decision. I figured that would happen because if you really stop and think about most of the movie, it makes no goddamn Congratulations. sense. Congratulations. I was almost in your corner and I've swiftly backed away. It has, I think, you know, I really have to think about it, but, you know, as a whole, it might have the dumbest cast across the board. Well, dumbest cast I've seen so far, at least. It's rough. <laughs> so we have one new rule. First time we've had a new rule in a while. Uh, last time we had a new rule was back in Scary Movie 5. Wow. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes later. Rule 57, buckle up, buckaroo. <laughs> I like it. Safety first, everybody. I dig it. So let's get in some awards. First, we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. Good fucking luck here. And this is based off Randy from Scream. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Any ideas? Sheriff Hooper. I think it's Sheriff Hooper with a bullet. I have a different idea. I'm thinking everyone who's at the carnival who is just like, nope, and just runs away. Uh, so, okay, my only issue with that is they just had to kind of run out of the way, which, like, I understand, like, you know, you could call that the gold standard. Neighbors from neighbors Halloween. Neighbors from Halloween. I get that. But is that not kind of what Sheriff Hooper ended up doing this entire movie? Like, when the lynch mob shows up, he's like... Well, they're cannibals, and I'm not going to die for a bunch of cannibals. Mm -hmm. And then he, he's, like, trying to do his process. Like, you know, like, no, don't. 
please stop. And then at the end, very Willy Wonka. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then at the end, he's like, just clean this up. And then just just he goes back to his lives, gentlemen, so that he can continue to do good work and kind of let the trash take itself out in a really weird sideways sort of manner. So like, I I say honorable nod to the carnival goers. But, like, Sheriff Hooper, he's kind of in the middle of a horror movie, but he was never in any danger. I'll also say, like, sure, you know, giving it to, say, the neighbors from Halloween or the truck driver from, I think it was the remake where we had, yep. like, a, a mobile version of the neighbors from Halloween. Makes sense, then, to just blanket give it to anyone, everyone at that carnival. That seems kind of like a cop-out to me. <laughs> yeah, my original thought process was the characters of the movie are so dumb that I had no choice. But you guys make a good point with Sheriff yeah. Hooper, and I'm fine with it. Cool. Uh, you've convinced me. Legitimately changed my mind. Wow. Good yeah. for you guys. Yeah. Uh, so Sheriff Hooper wins the Randy Meeks Merit Badge. So now we have Night of the Living Club, which goes to the character the worst job at following the rules. Take your pick. And this is, of course, based on Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Who are you guys thinking? Uh, Heather. I think there's two we can pick from. I think Heather's one of them, and I think Marvin, Officer Marvin, is the other. Okay. Yeah, it's it's hard. I I want to give a dishonorable mention to Daryl just for being a menace for no reason, but he didn't know there was a murderer yep. or like a, a homicidal maniac living in the basement. So like I, I'll, I'll disqualify. I do think the worst might be Officer Marvin because there was clear and present danger. He had no reason to go into that house that he's unfamiliar with alone. He saw the blood. He given that he's a police officer. He managed to do everything wrong. <laughs> um, and to my knowledge, the only thing he did right was wear his uniform that day, which included a lock and load automatic rule follow. But yep. even then, he's just like, I'm going to film in portrait. And I <laughs> <laughs> agree. <laughs> so, like, I mean, he deserved to die for no other reason than filming in portrait. But, like, he did everything else wrong. He put on his uni- he, he got his clothes on that day. That is the one thing right that he did. He knows how to put on a belt. Yes. I will say, Heather did a lot more wrong. And I kind of had this argument with Ryan, um, I think it was during uh, the beginning, Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, where I argued in favor of giving it to the person who was the reason the movie happened. Yep. And I'm going to do that again here. If Heather would have read the fucking letter, nothing happens. Not only does she do more wrong than Officer Marvin, Deputy Marvin... She could have saved everyone. It's true. But isn't saving everyone really the friends you made along the way? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it just it boils down to that. She did more wrong. She did yep. more right, but she had more plays in general. And she had did more wrong than she did right. And if she would have listened to her fucking lawyer, yep. movie doesn't happen. We go home early. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really struggling here. Because these two are fucking terrible my my one this is my one because i i agree yep. with you it's her fault that a lot of people died yep she did not die and if we're looking at this specifically from a survival standpoint officer marvin had absolutely no reason to even be there at least she got thrown into some weird yeah. estate planning legal bullshittery and didn't read the letter you know, yeah. like, how many of us read the terms and conditions before <laughs> we click accept? I would argue Deputy Marvin was there because he was doing his job. He saw sus- something suspicious and followed the lead instead of waiting for someone else to do it. He was taking initiative as an officer with 
Horrible motivation, but he was taking initiative as an officer. Generally, they they, they train cops to you know wait for back before you go into situations like that, and you know you're not supposed to go alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that was bad training on his part. I'm I'm, I'm just gonna let Ryan break the times because yeah, I, no, I, I, I I totally see your no, argument. I see your argument. You guys too. are both right. And if I could, I would give this our. Have we ever to split the badge in half and given someone half a? I, I, half I don't want to do it. I don't okay. want to start that precedent. The only time I'm willing to do that is with like Halloween Four, the paramedics in Halloween Four. Because they were the, like the same character, yeah, or like the two cops who went into the house, yeah, and, yep. you know, I, they were the same character. They were the same character. This is the time I'm really willing to do that. I don't want to do ties because I think that's a little bit of a cop out. I think just because God Heather at least did uh, the thing where she teamed <laughs> up with the villain, <laughs> uh, connected with the villain. I think I'm gonna give Night of the Living Club to Marvin. Boo! But these are <laughs> two of the worst. They're bad. This is bottom of the barrel. I think Heather's the worst final girl I've ever seen. Yes, you period. gotta watch. You gotta watch Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn six. six is worse, but but she's Heather might be second. Bottom of the barrel, man. Yeah, these two are both bottom of the barrel. They. It's embarrassing how bad they are. Like, Heather is that last little bit of tomato soup that you can't get off the bottom of the can with a spatula. You know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, Officer Marvin is not at the living club. He's not living anymore, missing his face and whatnot. Yeah, don't be like these two, ever. (laughs) Okay, so... Jordan, uh, you want to come back for Leatherface? The eighth uh, question. We got to finish it. That's the last one. Um, for now, until this mysterious ninth one comes out. Until it, until it surprise drops on Netflix this month. Yeah, Derek, I'm assuming you're tapping back out. I don't need to be a part of this one anymore. No. Though I will say, I enjoyed this one the most of the three that I that I had watched, just because it was schlocky and a good time, and my favorite brand of horror movie. Yeah. Um, or like, if I had a vein of horror movies that I tend tended to enjoy the most, it was in there. So. It, it almost like put the franchise on a slight upswing for me. So I'm fair enough. I'm I'm good with tapping out for now. Um, That's fair. Maybe I'll revisit it sometime in the future. But you won't like Leatherface, so it's fine. <laughs> you, you won't. I, I'm like, eh, it's okay. I think you'd like the remake and the prequel. He'd probably like those two more than the original two, just because he's Derek. Yep. Um, and 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 I have no taste. <laughs> <laughs> So that means Leatherface is going on the wheel of the eighth movie in the Chainsaw series. So we got Nightmare on Elm Street Remake, It Part 2, which is the miniseries, not the not the films. Leatherface, Spiral, Bride of Chucky, Leprechaun Origins, Exorcist 4, The Beginning, and Friday the 13th Remake. Jordan, go ahead and spin the wheel! Okay, we got Spiral, which means from the Book of Saw, we're returning to the Book of Saw, the ninth movie in the Saw franchise. Uh, we're going to do some Spiral. Uh, Jake Johnson's going to be back on the podcast for that one. New Girls Jake Johnson? New Girls Jake Johnson. Jurassic World's Jake Johnson is going to be on the podcast. Wow. 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 Guys, thanks for doing this. This was fun. Yeah. I yeah. It was fun <laughs> enough. It was, it was good. This was quite the film. I love this movie so much. I had a blast talking about this one. I could talk about Texas Chainsaw 3 pretty much any time, though. All right, so Spiral will be next time. You guys want to give out any social media before we go? Just my usual Twitter, RaiRaiMovieGuy, RaiRai4 at GBATemp.net, and yeah. I'm DK underscore ATS on Twitter, or if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, it's E-R-E-K-K, so Eric, but whatever you want to do. Okay. Oh, hey, I made a letterbox recently. Um, It's RyRy4, same as my GBATemp.net username for Letterboxd. Um, I don't take the time to write reviews. I just give star ratings to movies because I want to. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at HowToHorror. That's how the number two horror. Guys, this was fun. Thanks for doing this. 
Thanks for having me. Anything else before we go? Nah. (laughs) All right. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast. Stay safe out there. Uh, uh.